All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Monday. All right, we just I just spoke to Tamara Taggart, a uh, longtime journalist in BC, yep. well known in, in British Columbia, just getting over a nasty bout of COVID, and she mentioned how a lot of her friends are still masking up. She masks up all the time. She's got a special needs son. Uh, a lot of her friends are doing the same. What, what do you think? Is there pr- any pressure on in BC to bring back a mask mandate? Because they're talking about that in Ontario. I don't see any pressure being brought to bear in BC. Uh, Ontario is interesting. They're starting to see an uptick in cases and I think hospitalizations. We're not seeing that in BC. The last weekly data last Thursday showed that week to week, Cases are up, but hospitalizations are down. And so hospital admissions are down. So the hospital number in BC, there's two definitions of hospitalizations associated with COVID-19. One is if you go into hospital to have a a knee replacement or uh, set your broken arm or you're about to give birth, you get tested. When you get admitted to a hospital, you get tested. And if you get tested for COVID-19, you're part of the, the hospitalization number. But about 40 to 50% of the hospitalizations are people who have, who are feeling no symptoms of COVID, but they just happen to test positive. The hospital admission number now is the number that's going to be posted every week. Those are the people who go to hospital with COVID because they're so sick from COVID-19. They're the most severe, severely ill people. That number went from 222 weeks ago to 193 last week. So that number has Hmm. dropped, but we'll see. Uh, if uh, some modelers uh, are projecting that we're going to see an increase as the sixth wave washes over us. We haven't seen that yet, but we have seen hospitalizations over, or uh, the hospitalization number overall go up. But the hospital admissions are down. The number of test positive cases are up on a daily basis. But the people in ICU has also gone down as well. We, you know, back in January, I think, at one point we had 72 people on ventilators in ICUs. I think last Thursday we had 11. I was watching some extraordinary video on the weekend in Shanghai. Oh, I know you've the, been following that closely footage. too. Yeah, where there's like a lockdown there and, and people are, you know, there was almost like a food riot there the other day or people are locked up in their apartments. Like why, why does that, why did that happen in Shanghai? So the, China took a COVID zero approach at yeah. the very beginning. They did not put an emphasis on vaccinations, particularly in older people. So the, the older you are, the more vulnerable you are, even if you're vaccinated. Uh, to the more severe outcome of, of uh, contracting this virus. So in China, when you got you know hundreds of millions of people, uh, by not going the vaccination route, and then not they don't have Pfizer, Moderna, right. uh, they have yeah. their own vaccine, yeah. and they just did not vaccinate enough uh, of the population, particularly older people who are now dying by significant numbers. And the drone footage out of Shanghai is extraordinary. 25 million people live there. You can't see anyone. Yeah. They're, they're, the streets are completely empty. So the COVID zero approach, which some still advocate for, just simply doesn't work. Vaccines do work, but it doesn't mean we're going to get uh, make the virus completely disappear. And this goes back to the mass mandate argument that uh, public health officials, infectious disease experts say we're not going to get rid of the virus completely, but we have to take sufficient measures to mitigate the the outcomes here and basically learn to live with this. Okay, let's talk about Pierre Polyev, the conservative MP running for the party leadership, just did a campaign swing here through British Columbia, attracting large oh, crowds, yeah. 
Like every stop in BC seemed to get like over a thousand people. Yeah, you, you, and you don't see large crowds in leadership races normally, yeah. right? This, these leadership races are more behind the scenes, signing up members over the phone, coffee clutch meetings, and such. Polyev's getting like a thousand people a throw at this thing, and I think you've got his opponents now, uh, and Jean Charest in particular, quite worried that Polyev's going to run run away and hide on this thing. Let's play a clip here of Jean Charest, and then I will play a clip of COVID, uh, Polyev here as well. So Jean Charest, the former federal cabinet minister, also running for the conservative leadership, the former premier of Quebec, uh, I guess the main competitor against Polyev for this job. Now, here he is criticizing Polyev and his support of the trucker convoy in Ottawa. Have a listen to this. I have a competitor, uh, to name him, Mr. Polyev, who supported, as you know, the blockade. And if you want to be a leader in this country and a legislator, you can't make laws and break laws. Okay, so attacking Polyev for his support of the truck blockade, I don't know. I got a feeling that Polyev might actually welcome a criticism like that because it seems like a lot of his base are probably on the side of the truckers. Oh, I think you're right. I think uh, that, that part of the party has grown, seems to have grown in number, and they do support the, the things like the trucker um, blockades. They are the angry wing of the party, and Poliev is clearly tapping into that. So I think these numbers may dwarf the other side of the anti-convoy crowd. Okay, let me play a couple of clips of Poliev, and this is very interesting. Now, you got Sheree trying to single out Poliev for his support of the truckers, and... Poliev was was supportive of, was. The, of the of the cause, okay, of the principle of the of the uh, convoy. So here's Poliev talking about how he was at a highway overpass, all right, and he saw a lot of those truckers rolling toward Ottawa. This is Poliev in the House of Commons. Listen to this. I was out at an overpass as the truckers went by, and what I saw were cheerful, patriotic optimistic Canadians who want their freedom back and want their livelihoods back. Okay, so that is the kind of thing that I guess Sheree is pointing a finger at him, but have a listen to this clip here now. Now, Poliev pinned down a little bit more specifically, do you support blockades by the truckers? Listen carefully to what Poliev said about that. I've always been against blockades, and I still am now, because I don't believe you can gain your freedom by blocking someone else's. So yes, to peaceful protests, no to blockades. Okay, so he's saying he supported well, the cause of the truckers, but he's not, against the blockade. That's not what he was saying when the blockades were actually there. He was very much in support of the blockades. Now he's trying to distance himself from that because of Sheree's attack. Sheree wants him disqualified. Well, hang on. Was Poliev saying that he supported the, the truckers sure, he, occupying the streets of Ottawa? For yeah, he, he was. his rhetoric back then was very much okay. supportive of the of the blockades and of the trucker convoys. Now he's uh, saying, well, there's a difference between peaceful protests and not. And a lot of people don't consider that to be a peaceful protest. There was a lot of menacing. And I've been to eight of these things at the B.C. legislature. These are not cheerful, happy people. These are menacing people who spit at reporters, um, scream at people for wearing a mask. These are not a, this is not a nice group of people, but they are significant in number in terms of the Conservative Party. And Poliev is leading this party. He's going down the path of the old Reform Party. I think you're going to see the Conservatives split because Jean Charest and Pierre Poliev Two completely different viewpoints here. I don't see how they, they live in the same tent. I heard someone say the other day that a guy like Charest is maybe potentially could win an election. Maybe he could beat Justin Trudeau and mm -hmm. become prime minister, but not capable of winning the party leadership. 
Poliev is the opposite. It looks like Poliev could win the leadership, but can he win an election against Trudeau? Well, Poliev's getting impressive crowds right now, but can he win seats in uh, Metro Vancouver, in the suburbs? Uh, Can he win in in Greater Toronto or Montreal? Shrey would seem to be more appealing to those sort of middle-class, middle-of-the-road voters, but uh, Poliev is taking his party on a hard right turn, and it plays well to a leadership race, but election, election, I don't think so much. Okay, I guess that's a call me on, and I'm interested to what people think about the Poliev campaign. Real quick, Quickly, last week we followed Tiger Woods mm-hmm. and his comeback at the Masters. Kind of fell apart on the final two rounds. Shot back-to-back 78s. Finished 47th at the Masters. Fun to watch. Now he's him, talking about running, uh, playing the British, British Open. Open. So. Yeah, so at St. Andrews, which is, a, I think, an easier walk than the Masters is. But he was able to walk through that very hilly course uh, with that bad leg. Uh, and no problem. What, where he fell apart was really around the green when, in terms of, of putting and, and pitching. Uh, but it was still, I mean, 78 is not a Tiger Woods score, but anyone else would... What Take is it that a, in a moment. What is it about Woods that makes him watchable or people get fired up and excited when he's playing? Like, I'm sure the organizers of the Masters were thrilled when he played. Well, he had huge crowds around yeah. him. Uh, I just think it's his legacy, his, his history of, uh, of miraculous shot making and such, and yeah. just his, his lifelong reputation of, uh, around a golf course has, again, his ch- charisma attracts crowds like no one else. All right, welcome back. Keith Baldry is my guest. Lots of calls right to them. Daniel in Victoria. Hi, Daniel, go ahead. Hi, guys. I really like your show. Listen, I've been thinking about these large crowds that Paul Polyev has been getting uh, to these rallies. And given the fact that a lot of the same people, I think, they're attending that were going to these trucker rallies, I wonder if he's bringing people in from other parts of the country or at least other parts of the province to kind of... Because uh, it's kind of weird he's getting a 1,000 people every single time. Uh, I just would want to get your guys' opinion on that concept. I'd be surprised if he's bringing in people from other parts of the country. That When you think about that, that's that's a little hard to pull off. And he's he's traveling, you know, there's big distances. He's flying from place to place. And uh, hard to see someone. I don't just don't see evidence that anyone's flying with him in terms of crowds like that. No, there may be a sameness when he has rallies in the, in the same geographical area. But again, no, I, th- I think these are people um, unique to each rally. I don't see any evidence that he's packing these no, halls or no. papering the crowd at all. I, I think that people are responding in the conservative base to his message about when he talks about freedom and, and liberties and lifting COVID, well, man, people respond to that. It's but also, he's also talking about affordability issues. But he's, he's also about t- inflation. This is also an anti-Trudeau uh, yes. rally, right? And so there's a lot of anti-Trudeau people. Trudeau is in Victoria today. I've already talked to police who say that they anticipate they're already organized protesters, including some of the people who have been on the front lawn of the legislature. Those are very much anti-Trudeau people, and they're going to try to confront him today. He's also running a very a very smart campaign, uh, hitting on local issues and, mm-hmm. and making it relevant to local people. So in Vancouver, for example, he talked a lot about affordability of real estate. He hit that over and over well, during I, his swing through B.C. He threw one idea out on Jazz's show about uh, tying federal money for infrastructure. Right. Uh, to municipalities based on how many housing units they build. Right. Not sure how workable that is, but it's something that certainly that's well, that's a new idea. No, I think he's running a really smart campaign for the leadership of this party. Mike and Delta. Hi, Mike. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think there's a big difference between supporting the truckers and not supporting blockades, unlike Keith there. Um, there was streets left open. I saw tons of video footage. There was lots of streets left open so people could get around. They chose to shut their own stores. And the, the stores that stayed open did very no. well. And uh, Keith, you're wrong. And you're, you're very hateful uh, to people on the right. And it comes through um, quite, 
quite easily through well, the... Let's, well, let's let him respond to that and defend himself. Yeah, no, if you talk to shop owners or homeowners in Ottawa, they're going to have a completely different view of what you just uh, described, caller. Uh, no, there was not open streets. There was, there was closed neighborhoods there. There were diesel fumes. There were hor horns honking constantly. It was not a nice place to be. Talking to my global and other media colleagues who were covering that, they said it was a nasty piece of business. I do think, though, it is possible to say that you supported the cause of the truckers and then say you were opposed to any illegal occupation of, of this capital city for weeks on end. Or well, are blocking borders or bridges. No, I would say, well, you, yeah, for some elements of that. But there were elements in that convoy who were racist and white yeah. supremacists and wanted to hang Trudeau. Do you support that? Well, is that no, legitimate but, to support that? But what Poliev is So don't, saying, don't describe the, the trucker convoy as one cause. There's a myriad of causes within that group, and some of them were absolutely unacceptable. Well, I think that's undeniable, but I think also what Poliev is saying, that people who are like that, who are make unacceptable statements or, or wave Nazi flags or whatever, that they should be held individually mm -hmm. responsible for their actions, and that should not negate the, the overall cause uh, of people uh, who I said think, that it was time to drop these mandates. Yeah, I think there's a little too much blending of the two views. Let's go to Michael on the line in Richmond. Hi, Michael. What do you think? Hey guys, thanks for taking my phone call. Uh, I, I was at the rally yesterday in Langley, and it was amazing. Um, probably about they had to postpone it for about a half an hour because there were so many people that were outside that couldn't get inside that they had to set up speakers outside for the people that were stuck out in the rain. It was mm -hmm. it was amazing. Uh, couldn't believe it. I love Pierre Polyev. I think he's. I think he should be the next prime minister of Canada. Uh, what do you what do you like about and, him? What what is it that he's saying that's resonating with you? Well, I followed Pierre for for quite a while now, and I think that he articulates himself very well. I think he has oh. the, I think he's really intelligent. He's smart. Um, I think he's he's outwitted Trudeau on several occasions. Like the the best one is when Trudeau gave two hundred million dollars to a failing casino, and he made Trudeau stand up by saying to the person that gave taxpayer money to a failing casino, "Please stand up." And Trudeau was forced to do it. I love that part. That was like the best part in politics I've ever seen. Well, it was awesome. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, there's no question. Polyev is one of the most effective communicators in Canadian yeah. politics. He's he's has he's very quick witted. Yes, he has some sharp lines. Uh, you know, some of his policies are obviously very questionable, but he's a very effective communicator, and he has that appeal that's obviously coming out on the campaign trail, where he yeah. is getting these big crowds. I'm not sure how big that place was in Lenny. It's an old political uh, tactic: get a small room. And get a big crowd, and you're going to have an overflow. Overflow, it's and, automatic and it's overflow. Automatic overflow. But <laughs> there's no question he's getting crowds the likes of which we don't see or associate with a lot of leadership. Oh, races. For sure. I don't think I've ever seen a leadership race no. for a party. It's, it's different. Like a thousand people are crammed into a hall. Yeah, it's very right. unusual. Ingrid in Surrey. Hi, Ingrid. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Hi. Regarding the mask uh, situation, I'm glad it's done. I think people who want to wear masks. Wear your mask. Go for it. People who don't, mm -hmm. don't. You know, and the same with the vaccine passport. It's stupid. You know, Tamara Taggart, what, third vaccine, and she's so sick with COVID. You know, people with vaccines are getting COVID. So I say we're good. We're done. Keep going. And, yeah, it's, 
Yeah. Okay, thank, thanks for the call. Well, you and I were talking off air, Mike, about how many people are still wearing masks. Yeah. Uh, it's not mandatory, but you and I wear masks. We go into stores. I do. Um, you know, but not everybody does. But I'd say last night I was at a shopping, mar- uh, shopping market. I'd say about three-quarters of the people there, were, shoppers, were masked. Yeah. Um, BC legislature, you still have to show proof of vaccine to come in here. And I'd say, again, anecdotally, about three-quarters of the visitors here are masked. 